you have a 100% chance of success in marriage. You just need to do it God's way. A strong marriage rarely has two strong people at the same time, but it's often a husband and wife who take turns being strong for each other in the moments the other is weak, and then together realizing that it's Jesus who's holding you. The aim of our marriages, church, today is that we would transform by the power of the Spirit of God into the likeness of Jesus himself. May the God of hope fill you all with joy and peace as you hold hands with one another. My name is Selah. And we are father and daughter, and we're just excited to have you here with us. Turn your mic on. Yeah, your mic's on. Oh. (laughs) 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 Well, you've had an opportunity to get to know me a few times, but you haven't gotten a chance to get to know. Uh oh. Oh, okay. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, hey, everybody. My name's Gregory. My name is Sayla. There we go. Take two. Uh, we're so excited that you're here with us. Hey, you've had a chance to get to know me and my wicked microphone skills, um, <laughs> but we haven't had, had a chance to meet you. So tell us about yourself, Sayla. Yeah, uh, it is my first time doing Victory Online. I'm loving it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm 18 years old. I serve in a bunch of different areas at Victory. I do announcements at Fusion, our young adult ministries on Tuesdays, as well as our children's ministry. Um, I'm leading a women's small group. I'm also writing a book, and I have a very handsome daddy. (laughs) Yeah, you do. Awesome. Well, I mean, are you also a campus pastor? (laughs) Not yet. Because that's that's the only thing I didn't hear you say. Not yet. I love that. (laughs) I love that. Um, You hear that, Pastor Johnson? So when Sayla was smaller, she came up to me one day and said, Daddy, what do I have to do to be the pastor at Victory? And I said, you mean like a pastor on staff at Victory, and she said, no, 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 the, the pastor. pastor. The pastor. And I was like, all right, you'd make an awesome senior pastor, <laughs> my friend. Would you hire me? Um, oh, oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, you, oh, I would hire you. Yeah. Ah, amen, amen. Well, hey, friends, we are in the middle of a Family on Purpose series, and last week was our youth takeover. How amazing was that? It was amazing. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It yeah. was really powerful. I loved seeing all of our students at all of our campuses help with worship and help facilitate it from communication and announcements to worship. Yeah. So what did you think? I thought it was great. It was really amazing just to get into the mind of a young person mm-hmm. and see the call that God has on their life. Yeah. And just the entire message, the worship, it was beautiful. It was really beautiful. I agree. Uh, Something that really got me last week was one of the videos, and at the end of it, uh, Ayana said, I believe I'm made for something great. And then she goes, do Do you? you?" And I was like, oh, my gosh. And I felt, I was like, yes. And I felt so convicted. Uh, But, man, that was just so good. That was so good. Well, hey, um, today we are going to do communion. I love communion, don't you? Yeah, it's a very beautiful act. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So every time we do communion, doesn't matter where I'm at, how crowded the room is, it just becomes this intimate moment just between me and God where I can remember and focus on all he's done for me, all he's brought me through, and how good 
he is. So listen, we don't want you uh, to be just a spectator. We want you to be a participator today as we take communion. So even though you're at home or in a hotel room, wherever you're at, we want you to join with us. So what does that mean? Hey, go get the goldfish. Or the Oreos. Uh, or the Doritos. Or the spicy Cheetos. Hey, spicy <laughs> Cheetos. Uh, get the apple juice. Or the milk. Ooh, or the eggnog, because I did see eggnog uh, in the store. So it's official. Happy holidays, my friends. No, do not listen don't, to him. Don't be like that. Mm -hmm. Eggnog is the official drink of Jesus' birthday. No, we gotta amen. Get Come on, if you believe that, put amen in the chat. <laughs> <laughs> All kidding aside, hey, we want you to join with us. So, so get whatever you want because it doesn't matter what you eat or drink. What matters is the heart. So get those things. And as you are getting it, just prepare. Let's begin to prepare our hearts to receive communion. Amen? Amen. amen. Well, good. Hey, um, let's take a minute. Um, let's pray uh, because we've got an awesome message coming from Pastor Dennis. Pastor, Pastor Dennis, Dennis is amazing. We love and, him. And Pastor Colleen. She is amazing. Yes, the founders of our church here in the building. It's gonna be It's going to be amazing. They're talking about parenting. Mm -hmm. I can't wait to break it down with you guys. It's going to be really good, mm -hmm. right? Yes, it's okay. going to be amazing. Hey, so if you're excited to be here, type, I'm excited. Tell us what you're wearing. Are you wearing feety jammies? Are you wearing the baggy sweatshirt? <laughs> do you dress up? You know, when you join us from home, I think I would be dressing down, my friends. I would be totally rocking the baggy sweats. How about you? Probably. Yeah, the messy probably. Yeah. I'd still have good hair though. I think you know, <laughs> I got to come correct with the, with the hair. <laughs> but hey, come on, let's pray, my friends. It's going to be amazing. Father, we love you, and we thank you that your word says it promises that where two or three are gathered, you're there in the midst of them. So we receive the promise, the biblical truth that you are here with us. We thank you, Father, for what you are about to do today. Father, we can feel it. Can you feel it? Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay, come on. I can feel the Spirit of the Lord already in this place, and I just declare prophetically right now that it's where you're at too. Yes, Father, we just thank you for signs, wonders, miracles, healings today. In the mighty name of Jesus, everybody said amen. amen. Come on, type amen in the chat. Give me that little fire emoji. Hey, now we are about to go into worship. It's going to be amazing. Be we have powerful. the best worship team in the world, don't we? We really do. We really do. It's so good. You're going to love worship. It's going to be amazing. We're excited to worship with you. So come on, let's just begin to get ready right now. Come on. I, you know, I think it's good. We just stand up and let's get ready to worship. You sing better when you're standing up, don't you think? Yes. All right. Come on, let's worship. Uh, I
Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. We adore you in this place. Come on, all over this place. Can you just close your eyes? And everybody just take a deep breath. We breathe you in, Lord. We breathe you out. Lord, we yield, we surrender to you, Jesus, in this moment, God, we ask that you just be glorified. Lord, would you help us to give you our whole heart all over again, here and right now, Lord. I'm returning to the secret place, just an altar in a flame. Love is found here in our sacred space. I hear your voice, I see your face. And you're still my first love. You're still my only one. Yes, you are. You're still my first love. Oh, you're still my only one. Yeah. You are, you are my first love, Jesus. There's a table just for you and me. Break the bread and pour the wine. Perfect union, nothing in between. I am yours and you are mine. Oh, you're still my friend.
God. He is a holy God. He is here in this place. We are in his presence. Amen. We're going to continue in worship with a time of remembrance of how and why as believers we can stand in his presence. And that's as we enter into a time of communion and remembering what Jesus has done for us. We have some elements that are available in the inside of the aisles. And so I just ask for you to, to get the elements and pass them down the rows. And for many of us in this room, taking communion might feel familiar. For some, it might feel uh, just something we do. But I would invite you and encourage you to consider the gift of remembrance. That when Jesus was sitting with his disciples, he was saying, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Because he recognized that we are a people who have a tendency to drift. We're a people who have a tendency to let our hearts grow cold. And we can forget the love of our Father that was perfectly demonstrated through His Son, Jesus Christ, and His sacrifice on the cross, that His body was broken and His blood was spilled so that we could find forgiveness and a relationship with the Father and hope for all eternity. So when we take these elements, it's always an invitation for God to say, come back and know my love for you. My love for you is still the same as it always was. So remember, and for any of you in this room that you might not have a time where you remember encountering the love of God, or you haven't, there's not a time where you remember trusting the Lord and repenting from your sins and putting your faith in Him, and you want to do that today, Today can be your day, and we're gonna pray. And when we pray, what we're doing is saying, God, I confess that I'm a sinner, and I repent from my sins, and I look to you, Jesus, to be my savior. Because of your blood, now my sins are washed clean, and I put my faith in you. Be the savior and leader of my life. So as we're gonna pray this prayer for anyone in this room or joining us online that is ready to put their faith in Jesus and for everyone who's already put their faith in Jesus and prayed that prayer, re repented from your sins and turned to him, I invite you as we pray to remember his love for you. And that blood that was shed thousands of years ago is just as powerful today as it ever was. No one is beyond his grace. No one is beyond his love. He loves you. He's for you. And he has shown the depth of his love through the sacrifice of his one and only son, Jesus Christ. So in this moment, let's pray. God, we thank you that you loved us so much that you would send your one and only son to die for us. And he would die on a cross, and three days later, he would rise again and stands victorious over all things. And so now, God, I repent of my sins and recognize my need for the Savior, Jesus Christ. Come and wash me clean. Make me new. Be the leader 
and the Lord of my life. All that I am, all that I have now belongs to you. Have your way in me. I put my faith and my trust in you alone. And I know that my eternity is now in your hands as I fix my eyes on you and follow you, put my faith and trust in you. So thank you for making me new. In Jesus' name, amen. So now, as a room full and a family of believers, we want to partake in communion. And Jesus, meeting with his disciples, he thanked, he gave thanks for the bread, he broke it, and he said, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake of the bread. After they had eaten, Jesus took the cup. And he said, this is the cup that is poured out for you. The blood of the new covenant. And this is in my blood. Let's partake of the cup. Let's thank God for his love for us and the hope that we have in Jesus. Amen. Can we pray together? Lord, we just thank you for this beautiful time of remembrance that we can stand here before you, covered in the blood of Jesus, washed clean of our sins. We thank you that you so loved us that you sent Jesus. Help us to remember, not only in moments like this, but every day of your deep love for us and let our love for you grow. And Lord, let us be reminded that you are able to do all things. And if you are able to save us, God, how much more are you able to heal us? So in this moment, we bring all of our hurt, all of our pain, emotionally, mentally, and physically, all of our disease and, and ailments, God, we bring them to you and say, God, would you come and do what only you can do? Would you bring healing to our bodies and our minds and our emotions? Would you restore us? and heal us. And we trust that you are able to do this because you rule and you reign over all things. So we look to you, the author and perfecter of our faith, and we say thank you for loving us. And God, help us to love you more and more as we trust in the perfect and finished work of your son, Jesus Christ. And we give you praise today and forevermore because you are worthy of all glory and honor and power forever because you are holy, you are righteous, you are good, you are our God, you are for us. And so we give you praise in this place. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Can we give him praise one more time, church? He is a good God who loves us, amen. Amen. It is so good to worship with you today. Before you're seated, why don't you turn and say good morning to those that are around you. Wow. That was an amazing time of worship. And communion. That was so yeah. good. Friends, if that blessed you, come on, put it in the chat. That blessed me. God God's is already doing something. I know, right? Right? Oh, what about that note that Pastor Danielle hit that? Oh, <laughs> 
That was good. Gave me chills. Man, can you sing like that? Mm, only in the shower. Oh, nope. <laughs> okay. All right. Can you guys sing like that? Let us know. Come on, because we need some we need some worship leaders here at this church. Mm. If you are just now joining us, my name is Sayla. My name is Gregory David. And we are so excited that you guys are with us. Mm -hmm. But first, Victory family, let's go ahead and welcome our first-time guests. So yeah. go ahead and type welcome in the chat. Welcome. Wherever you're at, we want to properly love and care on you guys. Yeah. And if it is your first time here, we are just so thrilled that you guys are watching with us today. So we want to invite you guys to go to our website, connecttovictory.com. Yep. And right there, we got some resources for you that we can just put in your hands. We've uh -huh. got everything you need to know about Victory. You can tell us your story, how you found out about us. You can even tithe on connectedvictory.com. Hey, who's carrying cash really? these days? Mm, Nobody. But it is the place. Everything. You can just do everything there. Wait, everything? Everything, everything. Like uh, register your kids for school? <laughs> Everything. Pay your taxes? Everything. Everything. <laughs> Everything. And if you have like any prayer requests at all, oh, put yeah. them in the chat. We've got Victory family just standing by. Yeah, absolutely. Connectivevictory.com is also the place to find out about all of our upcoming events. Events like our XO marriage conference happening on October 22nd. Uh, we are all booked up at the Norcross, Norcross location, but we have space available at our Hamilton Mill location and at our Midtown location. So amazing. yeah, if you are married, if you're engaged, whatever, come on, this is for you. Make it a date day and just go to connecttovictory.com and get your tickets today. Oh, and don't forget, we have something really amazing coming up for you guys, for what? those of you who are in the Atlanta area. Okay. Give me a drum roll, wherever <laughs> you are. We have our Mission Trip Expo on the 15th of October. Nice. It is amazing. Okay. If you're interested in sharing the love of Jesus beyond your local community, I am. come out, hang with us. We'd love to see you. We have our Oh, oh you know what? I'm hearing that uh, we are ready to start <gasps> the message. Hey, so let's pray, okay? Okay. Father, we love you. We thank you for this day. We thank you for the word we're about to hear. Would you prepare our hearts? Yes, Lord. And Father, we thank you for healed bodies, healed minds, healed right families. Now. Lord, we thank you for it. And we we thank you for every brother, every sister online watching right now, and we declare over them health in their body, healing and deliverance, Lord in God. We thank you, Father, that for them, the best is truly yet to come. Father, that you have a good plan and purpose for their life. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for what you are doing. God, we can feel it right now. Come on, can you feel it? Yes, I Amen. can feel it. Lord, we love you and we thank you. We're so excited for what you're about to do and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Come on, if you agree with that, type amen in the amen. chat with the little fire emojis, yeah? <laughs> Come on, let's watch this message. Everybody. Good to see you guys. We're excited about this morning because we get to talk about one of our favorite subjects. We're going to talk about parenting on purpose. And so I'm really excited about that. And I know some of you are here, you're not parents. And so sometimes when you hear a message like that, you just kind of check out or you're single, you just turn off the computer uh, if you're watching this online. But this is, this is a really important message. In fact, if I could say it this way, a lot of church, what we have, what we call church, is nothing more than just reparenting people. 
It's just reparenting people because we didn't get parented well the first time sometimes. Most of us, I don't say all of us, but most of us did not necessarily grow up with Christian parenting or godly parenting. And so we don't really know what that looks like. So we're gonna try to give you a little picture of that and uh, talk to you a little bit about some of our own personal experiences. Um, If there's anything that probably gives us the most reward in in our lives personally is, is probably our family. And I think you would agree that it's, it's the greatest heartache and it's the greatest victory. If you can have wonderful family, it's wonderful. If you don't, it's, it can be tremendous heartache, amen? And so we know we're speaking to people that don't always have their family together. We know that some people have been through brokenness in their family. Some people have you know, maybe had families that have been dysfunctional and all that kind of stuff. And here's what I want you to see. No matter where your family's at, you can start a new family today. You can start over again, amen? And it doesn't mean everything's gonna change overnight, but I believe if, you're, if you apply some of the beautiful principles of the Bible, it can make your family great. Yes. But speaking of our family, we have a new addition to our family. Uh, I have, we have one daughter and a son-in-law, and we had two grandchildren uh, that we've been Mimi and Poppy too for the last several years. And then we just got a new one, a, a boy, finally a boy, Dylan. So this is our, our family. Finally got a boy, hallelujah. Someone I can throw football with, I'm loving it. And so that's our family. They're, they're not here today because they're, the, the two girls got sick in school, so they had to stay home today. But, but that's our family, and um, we're loving being, being grandma and grandpa now, amen? And speaking of family, we are so happy you're here today, and we get to join our campus, our North Cobb campus, as well as everyone online. We've got people from Canada, Angola, Jamaica. All over the world. It's just amazing the impact that Victory has and the connections of family all over the globe. So we're thrilled to have you today. All right, so let's pray. Father, we just thank you right now. In the next few moments, uh, we are expecting you, Holy Spirit, to give us an impartation of truth. And we're asking you to open our hearts, our minds, to receive things that maybe we've never heard before, maybe never learned before in our own families. But God, that you would impart truths into our hearts so that when we leave today, we're different than when we came in. That we have something that's tangible, usable in our lives, something that we can apply right away. And God, I'm praying for every person in here, everyone, that we would have a godly family on purpose in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. 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 So let's get going. Let's jump in. And let's start with Psalm 127. And beginning in verse 1, I love the way the message reads. It says, if God doesn't build the house, the builders only build shacks. If God doesn't guard the city, the night watchmen might as well take a nap. Yeah, you can be sleeping on the job. It's useless to rise early and go to bed late and work your worried fingers to the bone. Don't you know that he enjoys giving rest to those he loves? And then he seemingly switches subjects. He jumps in with this statement. Don't you see that children are God's best gift? Now, right now, I don't know what took place last night in your house. You might want to disagree with this, but children are God's best gift. The fruit of the womb is his generous legacy. Like warriors, a fistful of arrows are the children of a vigorous youth. This is a foundational passage that has 
helped influence our home and in our lives. Arrows, I love the symbolism of arrows because arrows are aimed. They're not gonna go in the right direction if you point them in the wrong direction. Training is aiming our children. And right off the bat, I think what he's trying to get us to see is our attitude towards our kids matter. Because they, there are gonna be those days when they try you, right? They try you and try you. There's gonna be those days when you are not popular in your house. There's gonna be those days when they say things that are hurtful. But the thing is, our attitude towards our children really matters. They're not a burden. They're not an obstacle. They're not a problem. They're a blessing. And we need to, to parent from a place of gratitude because that is going to temper the tone of our home. Think about this. Do you ever give consideration to the fact there's a tone in your home? This might be a good thing to discuss around the table. What is the tone of our home? I mean, I grew up in a home that I couldn't wait to get out of. I grew up in a home that I didn't feel valued and loved and cherished. What is the tone of your home? And so we have to have this mindset of how we see our kids. And, and the analogy here of arrows, one of the things that we determined was the way we would look at Lauren, our daughter, was that we were raising a champion. Because once a child is conceived, there's a seed of greatness on the inside of every single child. There, there is the seed of a champion, and it's, it's our job to help foster that out, okay? So when you, when you see them that way, it changes how you speak to them. And I remember telling Lauren, and we'd watch the Olympics, you know, you're like an Olympian, and you see the dedication, the concentration that they have, the intentionality with which they live their lives to win that prize. And Paul talks about, you know, we're, we're running the race, we're doing it in such a way to win an eternal prize. And so that's the way we talk to Lauren. And we would say, you know what, maybe other kids can do certain things, but you don't have that same option because you're a champion. And we talked to her that way and viewed that, her that way. And so here's what I wanna say to you today, parents, because we're in a very complex period of time, aren't we? I mean, when we look at what's out there, what's being bombarded against the family and the attack is against the family. It is against children, it is against parents, it is against marriages. But my Bible says in Deuteronomy 29 that even when the enemy comes in like a flood, that the Lord raises up a standard against him. So we might not be in leave it to beaver age, but I'm telling you what, the standard still holds true. And so I just wanna encourage you, forget about what the world is saying to you. Forget about the fact that we see a legal system and a school system that's trying to strip parents of their authority. God said you have authority and nobody can strip that from you. It's your authority in the home. What you say matters. And so I wanna encourage you to raise the bar, to hold up the standard in your home. Be courageous. We need courage as parents today, don't we? Because there are a lot of people telling us we don't know what we're doing and other people can tell us better 
whether our children should choose their gender or not, but you choose the word of the Lord and hold it high in your home, unashamed. We are not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. And we need to remind ourselves and encourage ourselves. As parents, you need to encourage one another. This is why we love small groups. It's the opportunity for us to encourage and infuse each other with this standard that we're talking about. Is it okay if I preach a little bit? Amen. So when Colleen and I uh, first got married, we recognized right off the bat that we had some deficiency in our thinking about parenting simply because we did not have uh, biblical parenting growing up. I grew up in a home where my mother and father uh, got married because my mother got pregnant out of wedlock at 19. And she had me very early in life. They got married because back in that day, abortion was not legal. Hallelujah. I might not be here if it was legal. Yeah. And, and, um, and they got married, but they didn't love each other. And, and, you know, it was just, it was a dating relationship, brief dating relationship. So they stayed married for a couple of years and then they got divorced. And so I grew up with a single mom for several years and then I re, uh, she remarried and I had a stepfather. So I was a part of a blended family. Colleen grew up in a religious family, Catholic family that was very religious, but didn't really understand relationship with God. And we're so uh, dogmatic about their religion that when she got saved, they disowned her. And for the first five years of our life and our marriage together, they didn't talk to us didn't see us, didn't visit us, didn't come to our wedding. And it, it took us having a child to kind of break that off of them. But uh, so we both knew that we were coming, operating from a deficiency. As we started to think about a family, started thinking about children, for us, it was exciting. We, we realized, gosh, the opportunity to bring a human being into this world and then have the opportunity to shape them and mold them into someone of purpose, somebody who can do something significant with their life was very important to us. However, the doctors told her that she couldn't have children. And so we uh, had to go to the word and really believe God that what God promises us is greater than what That's doctors right. say That's to right. us. Sometimes you have to go above the doctor's report. Thank God for doctors. I'm not discarding doctors' voices, but I'm just saying sometimes God's word has to be higher than than our circumstances. We declared that, and she got pregnant, and, and, and we did have one child. So in this process, we began to realize that, okay, before we even had Lauren, we realized, okay, we gotta learn about children. We don't wanna just have children. We wanna know what children are about, how to, how, to, how to talk to children, how to minister to children, how to love children, how to raise them. So we started working in the church. We started serving in the church. We started serving in nursery for the first year of our Christianity. Second year, we were in children's church, running a children's ministry for about a year and a half. Then we ran a youth ministry for about four years. And the beautiful thing about that, what we learned in that process is what not to do as a parent. We got to see all the dysfunction of parents in the church, up close and personal, and what they were doing wrong, and so we realized, okay, now we can see, before we have children, we can see what we need to do to offset that, because we wanted to break, and this is, this, this is important, the generational curses of our family. We wanted to break those curses. And we wanted to create a generational blessing, a legacy of blessing going forward. 
And in order to do that, when you're the first generation Christian in your family, when you have had a lineage of non-Christians and now you're, you're getting saved, how many of you know there is a battle that goes on when you start to serve Jesus? And sometimes that battle is between you and your own family. That's why we had to make a decision. Like Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, you have to be willing to forsake your mother, your father, your brother, yeah. your sister, your, even your own life if you're going to be my disciple. And for a season there, we had to do this without our, our other family approving of what we were doing. But here's the key word. The key word that we found in, in, in training children is this word called intentionality. Intentional. And, you know, he talks about arrows being aimed. I think most parents don't understand the intentionality of training a child. I think most parents are raising children and then kind of just following what their children want to do instead of training them in the ways of God to fulfill their number one thing, their number one goal is their purpose in life. Yes. Inside your child's life is a seed of purpose. And that seed has to be germinated through the training of a parent. And the parent trains them up. And if you train them up the way they will go, and if you train them in purpose, they'll achieve some greatness in their life. And they'll become a champion like God, like God calls our children to be. How many of you believe your children are called to be champions? Amen? And I'm not, I'm not talking about... I'm not talking about just champions on a sports field or in education. I'm talking about a champion of purpose. So when their life is over, they leave a legacy, a, de a destiny of legacy of something that awake of God in their family. And it goes from one generation to the next. Amen. So my scripture was Romans chapter 8, verse 28. It says, and we know, and I love this scripture, that all things work together for good. Everybody say for good. For good. For good to those, and not to everybody, but to those who, what? Love God. So the number one thing that you're, you're trying to help under, your children understand is what? Love God. Love God more than yourself. Love God more than your friends. Love God more than entertainment. Love God more than video games. Love God more than anything else you do in life. Number one love is for God. And he says to those who are the called according to his purpose. In other words, if you can raise children to love God and to focus on the purposes of God in their life, all things will work together for their good. And that's our goal with our children, amen? Absolutely. That's amen. all of heaven rallying around them. So we're gonna just briefly go through this. Four things a child must have to understand their purpose. I'm talking about purposeful families. And the first one, the most significant, the most important one is a deep understanding of faith because I don't care how wealthy you are, the most powerful thing, the most valuable thing that we have to pass on to our children is not finances, it's our faith. And we need to value it that way in order for them to value it that way. A legacy of faith. What a beautiful thing, right? And this is why Proverbs 22, six says, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart. It doesn't say, you know, we raise chickens, we train children, okay? So raising kids, it, raising chickens just involves putting a roof over their head and giving them something to eat. Training children is so much more because we have to tend to their hearts, you know? And, and I know my parents did the best they could with what they knew. 
But this is what they didn't know. And this is what we had to learn, is that we had to tend to our daughter's hearts. Our, our main thing is to pass on our faith. There is, there's training them up in the way they should go. There is something, the author and the finisher of their faith has developed a purpose for them. There's a way that they should go. There's a, there's a uh, not just a seed of greatness, but there's a, a potential, there's talents, there's gifts, there's all of those things that your children already have. And so we're helping t- them to find that bent and to go in that direction. But our faith is so important to pass on to them. And you look at the Jewish tradition in Deuteronomy 6, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul, with all of your strength. These commandments that I give to you today are to be in your hearts. You know, I was raised in a home where they tried to create behavioral modification. My, there were some things I didn't do in life because my father scared me to death. But there's a better way because when I left home, I, those things didn't stick. We don't just wanna light a fire under them, we wanna light the fire inside of them. We want them to internalize our faith. Impress them on your children, talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Sounds pretty consistent, right? Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. So when we started our family, uh, we started from this premise of, okay, we don't know anything really from, from growing up in our families except a few, few, few minor things we learned. But then we, we've got to look at the Bible. What does the Bible say about training children? And what we found is the book of Proverbs is the training manual for families. In fact, it's, a, it's basically a series of letters written mostly by Solomon, who at that time, was a str- he had a strong relationship with God in that season of his life, where he was a father writing letters to his son, instructing him about how to, how to live, how to grow up, how to be wise, how to get foolishness out of you, all these kinds of things. And it started basically laying out a framework of training a child through the processes of growth. So you have these, these, these age uh, seasons of life where you're establishing certain things in your kid's life. The first uh, season of life is you're establishing boundaries in your child's life and discipline into their life. That's why uh, the, Pro- the book of Proverbs would talk about spanking your children. And, and, and I know in modern day, when you hear the word spanking, you think, oh, that's abusive. Where, do you, where did you get the idea that was abusive? You didn't get that from God's word. You got that from people in society telling you because somebody beat their child that spanking is abusive. Let me just tell you something. I grew up in a home where I got spanked. And I didn't just get spanked. I got spanked almost every single day. Now, the Bible says to spank your children. There's several scriptures. In fact, it tells you to, it actually says it in a way that's almost scary. It says, beat them with a rod. It says, take a rod and give it, you know. And it, basically what it's saying is there's foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child and you have to drive it far from them. And you don't do that with time out. 
Timeout does not drive foolishness no. out of a child. Taking their cell phone away from you, them does not drive foolishness out of a child. But when you spank them, it drives it out. That's why you have to spank it until it's all the way out. <laughs> now here's the thing. I did have parents that spanked me. I had a mother and a stepfather that spanked me on a regular basis. And my family, and this is the generation I come from, they spanked you all the way out of the house until you're out of house. You know, your, your teenagers still getting, getting whoopings. And they got stronger as you got older. And, 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 the, and the, the bottom line is I got spanked on a regular basis. Colleen got spanked. Not as much as you. No, not as much as me. As you can tell, I still need it. You know, I needed more. And, the, and here's the reality. I got spanked on a regular basis and I did not have to see a psychiatrist, have to take drugs for depression, have to go through all kinds of psychoanalysis and problems with can't deal with life. I'm okay. Are y'all all right out there? It doesn't damage as long as you do it with a godly way. You don't do it in anger. You don't do it with your hand. You use an instrument of righteousness to drive out the spirit of foolishness. And then you love them at the end of that journey. And what you're doing is you're establishing discipline in your children. Yeah. They say that the moral fabric of a child is established between zero and nine. And by the time they're nine, it's set in. It's set in. They're either going to do right or not going to do right. And what happens is that that part of life is you're setting boundaries. Did you know that God did that when he, when he created children? When he created his own son and his own daughter, Adam and Eve, he put them in a garden. He said, all this is for you to tend and to keep and be a steward over. But there's one thing in here that I've reserved for myself. It's the knowledge of good and evil, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And he said, you shall not partake of it. There's a boundary around it. And if you eat of it, it will open up your eyes to things you're not prepared to see. Does anybody know that we do that today with cell phones? We, when we hand a cell phone to our kid and when they're, when they're not old enough to really handle it, they're opened up to things they're not prepared to see. And then we give them an open freedom to use them because everybody does it. And we, and we, we create a lifestyle in our home where there's no boundaries. Amen. And so we're training them in the ways of God to, to preserve their faith. So we're thinking, what steals their faith? Now listen, guys, men, have we got any men in the house? Oh my God. Watch this. Have we got any women in the house? See? See? See That's my girls. That's about what the house looks like right there. That's my girls. Now, if I were to say we got any football fans in the house, that would, yeah, see. Most men are more passionate about football than they are about their own families. Ooh. Ouch. What if you got passion for your family like you do for football or baseball or basketball or something like that? What if you had passion for your family? And so the Lord says to the man, he says, you're the leader. You're the, you're the basically the doorkeeper of your house. What comes in and what goes out of your house is determined by the, fat, the, the father. That's why the devil comes hard against men. He comes hard to steal, kill, and destroy their manhood, destroy who they are created to be, makes them confused about who they are, makes them males instead of men. You're born a male, you become a man by choice. You choose to become a man. You're not born a man, you're born a male. 
And most males stay males. They never grow up and become a man. They start dressing like women. They start talking like women. They start acting like women. You're a man. And if you're created to be a man, be a man. Quit being a woman. Quit looking like a woman, talking like a woman, and acting like a woman. They sometimes just shout the devil out of you. This is a world that's just filled with confusion about that. And our kids are growing up in that world because it's hard for them to find real men that are fathers in their home that take the responsibility to train their children in the ways of God, to be men of faith, to say, okay, faith is the most important part of our house. So they set an example. So your children need to see your faith as an example. They need to see you reading the word. They need to see you worshiping God. They need to see you standing in your living room, lifting your hands. What's wrong with you, man? Why are you ashamed to lift your hands? I see men come to church and their hands are in their pocket during worship. You need to lift your hands and worship God and acknowledge that God is greater than you are. You sit there at a football game, yeah! At church, you're like this. Come on, somebody. And when your kids see you excited about God and see you humble before God and see you model that, and number one thing is how you treat your wife in front of your children. That you're setting the, the example of, listen, this relationship, we told our daughter when she was growing up, this relationship right here is more important than your, our relationship. Now, it's not that we don't love you and care for you, but you are not number one. Did y'all just hear that? Some people, when they have children, they flip out. Everything is about their children. And when you teach them, then they grow up thinking everything is about them. And that's why they have this kind of expectancy that life's just going to fall in place because my mom and dad said, I'm the greatest. I won 12th place. I'm a champion. (laughs) Y'all all right out there? Uh, we're old-fashioned parents. I mean, we come from a generation that believes in training children. We, we come from this. And then when you love your wife the way Christ loves the church, you're saying to your children, listen, this is number one. And when you get married, it's got to be number one for you too. And then you're, 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 number one is God. Number two is your spouse. Number three is your children. And number four is whatever you do, your career, your church, or whatever. So we told our church right at the beginning, didn't we? Lauren was two years old. We said, look, our family is more important than you. And we're going to put that in the right priority in our life. And we're going to train our children to have faith in God in, 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 in terms of our home, right? Absolutely. You want to I add mean, something to that? Here's the thing. I don't know. Can I? That was so good. Go Papa D. Um, <laughs> the idea of what you transfer, you can't transfer what you don't have. And so your awareness and your attentiveness oh, oh, to God. Can I just add one thing? No. One thing, I'm sorry. Because the Lord just quickened, just quickened this to me about, just because I made some mention about spanking. and Some people are still trying to digest that. You cannot spank out of your children what's in you. Well. So you got to make sure that it's not in you what you're trying to spank out of your children. Amen. You got to get it out of you first. Yeah, you All can right, take that to the go. bank. That's so yeah, I just good. thought I'd throw that in there. So good. Yes. Well, and I mean, really what you're talking about is what we pass down to our children when you're talking about this legacy of faith is the love and the fear of the Lord. Behold the goodness yeah. and the severity of God. There are consequences. 
and God is good, but they, they have to observe, they're gonna observe what we do. I mean, think about this. First, our children observe our faith. Hopefully, they're seeing us modeling that for them. But the goal is for them to own our faith so that they take our convictions and it becomes a part of their lives and their convictions. And one of the things I think that's really important for us to understand is this is gonna happen in most of our homes. And it didn't even in our home when our daughter became a teenager. As a teenager, you start developing adult reasoning capabilities, which means you start thinking differently and you start questioning things. You question a lot of things. And so one of the things they're gonna question is their faith. How do we know God's real? And you want your home to be the place that is safe to have those discussions. You wanna be having the conversations around the table about faith so that kids can articulate what's on the inside. See, I think part of the problem is we don't, we have to understand our children, the good news is, or the bad news is our children are impressionable and they are vulnerable. The good news is our children are impressionable and they are vulnerable. And so getting them to have those conversations with us to articulate, to identify, to ask those questions, and that we broach it together is, is going to go a long way, especially as they get older. Mm. I mean, you ask a three-year-old, do you want to have Jesus in your heart? Yes, of course they are. They'll pray a thousand times. But then when they turn 15 and they begin to count the cost, that's when it's a little bit different. So we can't expect the faith of a three-year-old to hold a 13-year-old. Do you understand? We have to make sure we're processing this with them and that God is becoming a central part of how they process everything. So what we teach our kids is how to stand for truth. And truth becomes a huge part of who they are, which is why it's so important for us as parents to put our children in environments where there's positive peer pressure, like youth ministry. Absolutely. And you're gonna take your kid to sports, you're gonna take your kid to ballet. You need to make sure you get them here to be in a place, an atmosphere, where they're going to be around like-minded believers because they're very much alone in their schools. We need to bring them together to encourage one another and the iron sharpening iron of our youth is a big part of the development of their faith. So that's why we do it. That's why we have these things. So we, have, we basically live with the, we, with the motto, this is a godly family I believe lives with this model and I think that's what Deuteronomy was trying to say where Joshua said to a generation, he said, look, I realize that you are shifting your belief systems. This is what Joshua is saying to the Jewish people. You're shifting your belief systems. Some of you are moving in this direction. Some of you are moving in that direction. Some of you have new philosophies about religion and so forth. But I just want you to know as the leader of Israel, as for me and my house, as far as what goes on in this house, we will serve the Lord. So we're going to serve the Lord even when everybody around us is not serving the Lord. And so that means that the movies we watch are, going to do, are not going to take away from our faith. So we'll never watch a movie that you can't watch. 
We don't have some, a standard for us and a standard for you. If you can't watch the movie, we can't watch the movie. That's right. Did you hear what I'm saying? We're not watching movies with sexual situations. We're not watching movies with the F word, every other word. We're not watching, and some of you are, you just let those movies fly in your house and you think, why is my kid saying these things? And then we are not gonna have a loose boundary on social media. You can't just be on social media doing your own thing. If you're on these uh, social media platforms, we're your friend. <laughs> we're your friend. Did you hear what I just said? We're one of your friends. Okay. So we can see what you're doing and we can comment on your posts. <laughs> there is no privacy in this house. We don't hide things. You're our friend. You can watch our posts and we'll watch your posts. You always do better when people are watching. Mm -hmm. Always. I wish we'd had this when we were parenting, but now we have it. Life 360, where you can put on your cell phone, wherever your kid is, you see where they're at. And if your kid says, I don't want that, well, that's the first sign you need to put it on your phone. <laughs> My wife knows where I'm at. She knows where, I know where she's at all the time. Where she's at, I see she's at the mall. She's, she's at the store, she's at Phipps Plaza, she's buying some shoes. Let me text her to curb that enthusiasm right now. Your 360 is a little more involved than mine is. <laughs> All right, let's move on. The next one is to serve one another. Yeah. The next principle. Develop a servant's heart. So why don't you talk about that for a minute? You know, the fortunate, fortunately, Dennis and I were raised in homes where we had chores and we grew up with responsibilities. Chores, what are that? Yeah, are yeah, like there, there's a difference between teaching your child that they are the center of the universe and that they are part of the solar system that is around it, that they have a place in the home and we chose not to give our daughter allowance for cleaning the house because that's a part of what we do as a family. She got allowances for reading because we wanted her to grow in wisdom and we selected the books. Yeah, so, so John Maxwell taught us this. He said, why do parents give their mo kids money to wash the dishes, take out the trash? Because whenever they're giving their money, they're reinforcing. They want to reinforce their children to be trash haulers or dishwashers, or do they want to reinforce their children to be book readers? There you go. So pay your children to read books, write a book report, and train them like that, as opposed, and then that part of their life is just a part of their family. Yes. That's what they're doing with them. Yeah, and, and the beauty of that is that it then became the topic of conversation at the table. We talked about it. You salt that conversation with the word of God. But he tells us in Matthew 20, 26, it shall not be among you this competitiveness, this striving to be number one, but whoever desires to be great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave, just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. If, if this passage is needed so desperately in our society and our families today, oh my gosh, because I'm looking at the entitlement around us. How do we stop raising and training children to be entitled? Right here, this has to be a part of our life. And so we are not here to serve, we are here to serve and not be served. And so the ways that, you know, there's lots of things that we did 
over the years as Lauren was growing up, like on a Thanksgiving, going out and serving, serving in the community, serving in the church. I mean, here's the thing about this family right here and all of our campuses. As a family, you have an opportunity to model servanthood in different areas like children's ministry. Like, if you, did you catch that earlier? Dennis talked about before we were, we were, we weren't even married yet and we were working in the nursery because we just decided if we're ever gonna get married and have kids, we need to learn some things. So if you're single, you are the perfect person to work in the nursery. <laughs> anyway, but the idea of how can we serve others and modeling that, and I wanna say this because you've always modeled that. Even you know, with all of your responsibilities as a pastor, you would go grocery shopping for me because I don't like to do that. You would do all of those things and you'd serve in our home. You didn't just like pass that off to me and you modeled that for our daughter and you still do today and I appreciate Thanks. that so much. So when we, were, when we were starting this church, our daughter was two years old, um, we wanted to make sure that she understood that part of your life with God is serving in a church, serving in a church. So we, we tried to help her understand that, that when you go to church, you don't just go sit in a chair, you serve. And so all her life, she understood that. And so when she got up to the age where she could serve, we said, now, you, you, where are you going to serve? She started serving in the nursery, in the children's ministry, when she was a young teenager. And that was just kind of a part of the process of growing up. Can you imagine training your children to come to church and just sit in a chair? If that's all you do, that's all they'll ever do. I'm going to say that one more time. If that's all you do, that's all they will ever do. If they don't see you serving, they won't serve. And if they don't see you going to church, church was not an option in our home based on the weather or what holiday it was or what festivity was going on in our community. Church is before all those things. We told her, look, you can play sports, but there is no sport that operates on Sunday that you can participate on. That is not a non-negotiable because as for us, we're gonna put the Lord above sports. We're gonna put the Lord above our activities. We're gonna put the Lord above all those things. Yeah. I hear people all the time say, you know, I, don't, I go to church sometimes, but sometimes I don't, and my kids, we wanna do other things and all that. Well, that's what you're gonna train your children, that church is an option. It's just an option for you, and they're gonna grow up feeling the same way, and eventually they'll stop going to church. And so we said, okay, we're gonna serve each other, we're gonna serve in the community, serve, serve in our church, serve in our home, serve in our home. So when, I, when we were young, my parents used to get me up at eight o'clock in the morning on Saturday morning after a football game on Friday night where I just played my heart out. They'd get me up at eight o'clock. I said, Mom, it's eight o'clock in the morning. For a teenager, that's early. And, and, and that's, it's eight o'clock in the morning. She said, I know, you should have gotten up about seven. I got a lot for you to do today. You got your bathroom to clean. You got your house. You got your bed to change the sheets. You got to learn how to wash your clothes. You got to learn how to take, cut the grass. There's some things I got you to do. I said, Mom, I just played football. She said, you are in this house. We're going to serve. We're going to serve. We're all equal, to have our equal responsibilities. You know what most kids do today in their house? Nothing. They, they don't do any, they think if they took out the trash, they did the most amazing thing in the world. 
It's because parents don't do that anymore with their kids. They don't put any responsibilities on them. So then they wonder why their kids can't hold down a job when they become a young adult. They switch from job to job because they've not been faithful over the things in their own home. Amen. So today, we get up in the morning, what we do, it's time to get, get ready. We gotta make the bed. Who's gonna make the bed? We're gonna both make the bed. You get over on that side, I get on this side, we can do this thing in two minutes. If, if, if one of us does, it takes about five or 10 minutes, but two of That's us, of all the two pillows. are better than one. <laughs> And we train them, and, that's, and you're, you're showing them as an example that this is what life is about as a Christian. We're not here to be served, to be a social media influencer and popular and look at me. We're here to be a servant to the society. Right. We're not here to build a reputation for ourselves. We're here to build a reputation for Jesus right. in the earth. Number three, go ahead. To de develop resiliency in difficult times. I, I wrote a book on resilience during the pandemic, and I think there, it is still something that is much needed to be understood. And you have to understand that resiliency is written and carved into your very DNA, the ability to come back stronger. I mean, we look at the Marvel series, and all of that showed us one thing. It showed us that the adversary, the adversity that came about was the opportunity to raise, bring out the champion in all of those heroes, right? You, without adversity, there's no winning. And there is a perspective adjustment that we have to have that we can also pass on to our kids about resiliency, that even in difficult times, that our God is still good. And I love this passage in 2 Corinthians 4, 16. This is the reason we don't give up. Our human body is wearing out, huh, yep. But our spirits are getting stronger every day. The little troubles we suffer now for a short time are making us ready for the great things God is going to give us forever. We do not look at the things that can be seen, we look at the things that cannot be seen. Again, they have to have a strong understanding of faith. The things that can be seen will come to an end, but the things that cannot be seen will last forever. Be our teenagers are gonna experience a lot of failure, relationships, sports, school, and so how we look at failure as an opportunity to come back stronger because we are resilient is so important. And to be able to look into the eyes of your child in the midst of difficulties and just help champion them through those moments, that these are the opportunities for the character of God to be forged in us. I don't know about you, but I never had the character of God passed on to me by somebody laying on of hands. It was passed on as it was forged in me through difficulty. What are you gonna do with the next difficulty that comes in front of you? How do you look at it? How do you apply your faith to it? Do you declare the word of the Lord over it? These are the kind of things that you understand if we can pass this on to our children. Do you realize what a stark difference they're going to be out there in the world? People are gonna look at them and go, why are you so different? Because the word of the Lord is true. And I understand how to use the sword of the Lord in times of difficulty. These are the kind of children. I want you to set your sights on having these kind of children, and then you do what is necessary to help bring that out in them. 
I remember, I didn't share this in the first service, but the Lord just reminded me of this. I, this happened almost 50 years ago. This is how things, events like this can happen in your life as a child that you'll never forget. I had an, I had an event, a traumatic event, as a teenager where I was dating a girl, I was in love with this girl. And I drove over to her house after school, I was 16 years old, drove over to her house only to find another guy Uh over at her house. I saw his car parked there. And she comes out saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I've been carrying on this relationship with this guy secretly and I don't wanna date you anymore. When that happened, I pretty much thought my life was over. How many of you remember your first love when it goes, when it goes south emotionally? So I'm driving home and I'm thinking, I, I don't know if I want to live anymore. I just, I just, it's just terrible. It, life is over, you know? And I get home, everything's a perspective, right? Yeah. I get home and we had just gotten a new dog, a new Labrador retriever puppy. And I got home and I opened the door to this incredible smell in our house. And I looked out across the kitchen floor and this dog had diarrhea. <laughs> okay, that's enough. <laughs> All over okay, okay. the kitchen. No, no, listen. And I, 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 I get on the phone with my mother who's at work and I tell her my woes. And then she says, well, what are you going to do about the diarrhea? <laughs> You're going to clean it up, right? You're going to clean it up. So I cleaned it up. She got home and I sat down. I said, mom, I said, I, I don't, I just, I can't go to school. I'm just an emotional wreck. And she just looked me in the eye and she said, listen, she said, I want you to understand something. I love you, but my, my love for you does not override the fact that you're going to have to work through this. You're going to have to work through this. This is not the end of your life. You've got to put this in the right perspective. Now, I can just tell you right then, I didn't like that. I wanted her to just feel sorry for me. I want her to be my friend. You know, I didn't realize at the time, parents are not necessarily called first to be your friend. Mm -hmm. They're called to be your parent, your parent. And she proceeded to just kind of help me think through things realistically, like life is not over. You'll move on. You'll have another girlfriend. You won't Ta-da. have problems. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I remember when I, when I went to bed that night, I thought, okay, I got to toughen up. Quit being, being such a teenage wimp. Now, can I just tell you something? That was from my parent. That was imparted to me by my parent. And, and that helped me so that, because that, that's just a minor thing compared to things that will happen to you as an adult. Isn't that right? There are going to be times. I just read in the newspaper today, the Atlanta Journal front page, that this has been the worst time in history in Atlanta for teen suicide. And how many kids are depressed and on drugs and committing suicide? Because they've never been prepared by their family to deal with adversity. And as soon as adversity comes, they get depressed. Mm -hmm. And the first thing medical science wants to do is put drugs in them and drug them up so that they'll numb them up so they don't have to deal with their depression instead of stand up and face your reality, face it, and go through it. Live life with resiliency. Get a little grit in your life so that you can move forward when everyone else is moving backwards. Amen. That's right. That's right. We got to put that in our kids. 
Finally, we have, we have this last one, and that is you have to leave in your heart. We don't have time to talk about it a lot, but you have to deposit in your child how to develop and live by a vision, by a vision. And this kind of, I mean, we started the church with this, with this scripture in Proverbs 29, 18, where there is no revelation or vision, people cast off restraint. But blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. This was a Jewish saying through the Proverbs, through through the writer of Proverbs, Solomon, writing to his son, he said, if you don't know where you're going, you'll cast off restraint. You'll live a life without restraint. You'll think life is all about you. You'll think life is about having fun, just entertaining yourself. If you know where you're going, if you chart your course, and you know how to chart your course, he said, then you can fulfill your purpose. You can fulfill what God puts you on this earth to do. You wanna comment on that? And you know, there's, and there's so many opportunities. I mean, we just advertised the Victory Missions Expo because one of the things, one of the reasons we do this is because when Lauren was seven years old, we took her to the mission field. And it was a, it was a really rough trip. And she got to see children in Guatemala living in squalor and it marked her. And so here's the thing that it, there are, we do need to put boundaries around our children. There are things that we should never expose them to, but there are also things that we absolutely must expose them to. We need to let them see the needs of humanity yeah, around the us. the poverty of the world. And because it, it's an opportunity to develop compassion in them right. so that they can learn to love and appreciate what they have, but also love those and understand there's a world full of hurting people and I can be an answer. So this is why we do victory missions for families. And so I wanna encourage you parents, go to the expo and just find out about the opportunity because it will do something in the way of bonding your family like nothing else will. I, I guarantee you that. So I think the understanding of wisdom, wisdom is, is so important. And when Lauren was 15, you know, the Jewish family, the Jewish faith, they do the bar mitzvahs and the bar bat mitzvahs. 13, she was 13. 13, I'm sorry. Yeah. They have to memorize certain things. So we told Lauren to read the book of Proverbs. And for that whole year leading up to a time when we gave her a ring, uh, her purity ring, she read the book of Proverbs and we discussed it. We talked about it because that book is full of wisdom. That book is something our children need to have, like you said, a father writing this to his son. It's so applicable to our kids today. And this was the conversations that we had for that year, and it absolutely marked her. Because once you've tasted wisdom, you're gonna want more. Yeah, so we took her up to the mountains, we dedicated her to the Lord at 13, gave her a purity ring, she lost it within a month. <laughs> Not the her, ring. she lost the she ring. Lost the ring. Just, okay. <laughs> She lost the ring in a month, not her purity. <laughs> Sorry, Lauren, if you're watching this. Didn't mean that. We gave her another one. She lost the ring again. But what she didn't lose was her purity. Yes. And we gave her a vision for purity till you get married. We said, look, I, I remember talking to her at 13. I said, I know you don't, you're not into boys right now, but I said, you will be. In Jesus' name, you will be. And, and uh, when you are, 
you're gonna get married someday, have kids. Oh, dad, don't, I said, you're gonna get married, you're gonna have kids someday. I want you to understand that. I want you to stay pure, stay clean and pure. And I talked to her about that at 13. And I said, and my expectation is when you get married that you're gonna have whatever ring you have, you're gonna give it to your husband as a sign of your purity. You're gonna hand it to him as a virgin. I didn't know she was gonna wait till she was 27 years old to get married. But she was a virgin when she got married. She married a man that was a virgin. Neither one of them had ever been with another woman physically before in that manner. And you say, well, it's just impossible to do that. No, it's not. No, it's not. It depends on how you train your children. It doesn't mean they're all going to be perfect. It doesn't mean they're not going to make mistakes. We were not pure. When we got married, we had done all kinds of crazy stuff because our parents hadn't told us. They hadn't taught us. They hadn't trained us in those areas. They didn't give us that expectation to live pure yeah. before God. And, we, and I used to sit down with her and I said, look, God's got a purpose for your life. It's far beyond your education. It's far beyond going to college. It's far beyond just all those things. I said, it's important who you marry because that has something to do with your purpose. And it's important to make sure that when you get out of this house at 18 and you go out on your own, you hear God for yourself. You don't have to sit, sit there and listen to us anymore. You hear God for yourself. So we started slowly weaning her off of our voice and weaning her onto the voice of God so that by the time she got out of high school, and we, said, we sent her over to the mission field for one year, a gap year to train her in resiliency and teach her how to live on her own without our, uh, us speaking about telling her what to do. So when she came back and went to God's College, University of Georgia, to get her final education... <laughs> She was solid. She, she loved the Lord. She didn't backslide during college. Come on, Jesus. To go to, to, go to a public university and not backslide is a major miracle in this day. And, and stay pure all the way through to marriage. Come on. That's what we want for our children. Yes. Get a vision yes. for your family. Get a yes. vision for your children. And stay on the route. I want to pray this, this morning. I want to pray over you because we give you a lot of stuff in a very short span of time. But I want to give you a prayer that I pray over my family, and I want to pray this over your family. So Father, right now, today, some of us have grown up in some dysfunction. We've got all kinds of generational stuff that we have to get free from. And God, all of us have imperfections. None of us are perfect. We've all made mistakes. We've all done some things that, that need forgiveness and cleansing. But God, you're a God of redemption, you're a God who heals and restores what the enemy tried to make to, to do to destroy our lives. So I'm praying for every person that's online, every person that's here in the building, everyone at North Cobb, all of our campuses, God, that you're beginning to do a work in our hearts about family, that each week builds upon the, the next. And today is just a day of building in our family about how we train our children in the ways of the Lord so that when they're old, they won't depart from it. And I'm praying for every mother in the house and every father in the house. Every man, every woman who's got the responsibility or will have the responsibility to train their children, God, that you would now begin to help them correct anything that they've done wrong and begin to get on the path of training their children with purpose. I pray this over them, God. And would you just begin to work out all generational curses? In fact, right now, I just break the spirit of darkness off of any household here or anyone watching this, this video right here. Anyone who's got darkness in their home or in their children, I break that spirit right now in Jesus' name. We command every demon out of our house 
And we pray, God, that your spirit would enter our house and make it the house of the Lord, a house that, 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 that fosters the beautiful vision of Jesus in our home. And I pray for every home to be restored, marriages to be strong, children to grow up knowing God, not just as an elementary kid, but all the way through their life for the rest of their life, creating a generation and legacy of faith. We pray that over our families, and we thank you for these things. Now, let's just lift our hands to him, and let's just begin to thank him and invite his spirit into our homes right now. We invite you, Holy Spirit. Just say that. We invite you, Holy Spirit, into our homes, into our families, into our marriages, into our children's lives. We invite you now to come and take over in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. God bless you. Amen. That was a good word, wasn't it? It was really good. Dude, I loved that. I liked when he said that parenting wasn't for wimps. I can tell you, that is true. Uh, you'll know one day. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I liked it when he said you have to train children. I thought that was really good. Yeah, it's like you raise chickens. You don't raise kids. You train kids. <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. Hey, let us know in the comments what you thought about the message too and if it was impactful for you. I know that it was. Uh, we're so excited and so honored that you chose to worship uh, here with us today. And we're just glad that we got to be a part of it uh, today. Hey, if God did something in your life, uh, if he's doing something in your life, if you need prayer for anything, go to connecttovictory.com. We have prayer leaders uh, waiting live right now to speak with you, to pray with you. Um, you can go to connectivictory.com for all of that. And uh, there'll be a, a QR code that'll pop up uh, on your screen soon. Uh, we've got a free gift. I like free gifts. I like free gifts too. That's right. So scan that QR code right there. We've got a free gift for you. Yes. So let's go ahead and pray so we can cover you as you go about your day. Uh -huh. Lord, thank you for this amazing message today. Thank you that all that you're doing is good, Father, that you're working everything for our good and your glory. I pray that you would cover our Victory family as they go about their day today and that you would give them wisdom and clarity and breakthrough and that you would just speak to them in everything that they're doing. Lord, help them to be a light wherever they go and that you would use them to bring many to salvation. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Friends, we love you. Thanks for hanging with us, and we'll see you next time.